Broadcasting live from Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Welcome aboard. Thank you. How you doing, boy? Good. Nah, shit. <laughs> I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I'm feeling, feeling bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to you about this before the show. Well, let's had get him. Had a ratchet day at work. All movies are bad. <laughs> I don't um, like any of them. <laughs> so we thought we might... Uh, Is that a new character? That's a new character. I mean... Oh, that's two percent of a dude who character. hates movies but knows lots about movies. Maybe that's just like Martin Scorsese. That's, that's you, mate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know lots about movies. I don't know shit. I've never seen a single thing by David Lynch. So the movie we're doing this week, <laughs> David Lynch's. Uh, no. It's can you add like a um. Around, like an around the twist style like distortion of the voice yeah. have you ever yeah. ever felt like this <laughs> nice um, what good, fucking movie are we doing we're doing Good Time oh that's which right which is a movie suggested by a listener of the show Anna yeah, this was a good fucking recommendation. Coincidentally, on another podcast we listened to, they also chose to do it this week. Despite I'm so the fact afraid of the... F- yeah, yeah, the people are going to think that we're just copying this other podcast. If, if those people found our podcast, they would think we're copying Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. We're just like a shadow podcast, but uh, that's why we're not yeah. mentioning which one it is. No. So, um, um, but it came out in 2017, so it was just a totally random recommendation, well, random thing that they did this. I think it's just post been posted on Netflix recently. And uh, I think that uh, Robert Pattinson's getting a bit of buzz now because he's in that Lighthouse movie with Willem Dafoe that's getting a bit of Oscar buzz. And... Um, yeah, he's you have not shut up about <laughs> it. <laughs> and he's the new Batman and all that. So I think like people are sort of starting to come around on Robert Pattinson. And this is maybe one of his Oh, he did hits. get cast as the new Batman, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, good move. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, okay, uh, Good Time is directed by uh, Josh and Benny Safdie. Written by Josh Safdie and Ronald Bronstein. I don't think that these these fellas, these fine folks, have done very much else. This seems to sort of be one of their first big films, or at least one of their first big mainstream films. They've done a few films together before, it seems, in the last ten years. But sort of new, fresh on the scene. Yeah, right now, so yeah. So they've they've done about four films in the last ten years. I suppose it's not their first film by any stretch, but like it's the first time I've heard of them, and that's all that counts. That is all that counts. Notable for starring Robert Pattinson uh, and his brother, played by Benny Safdie, and they are like a fucking hell. <laughs> they're, they're like a. We'll get to why I said that later. Yeah, uh, they're like a brother duo that are involved in a bank heist gone wrong. Yes, and the movie is about the sort of twenty-four hours before and twenty-four hours after this bank heist. In their sort of prepping for it, and then the aftermath of it, and the good time that they have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before we launch into that, I suppose I almost got carried away with that. There, uh, we should probably do a bit of news, <laughs> shouldn't we? Yeah. Shut up about the movie they were talking about this week, and let's talk about something else for forty minutes. And float <laughs> the app. All right. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. My dude. Yeah. Ching 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 
Beef Bulletin. Nice. All right, so in the ongoing series of Hollywood directors uh, dissing and then people starring in the Marvel movies praising the Marvel movies, Fuck we've yeah. got uh, your boy FFC, Francis Ford Coppola, coming out and defend- Italy represent. He's <laughs> absolutely doubling down on... Uh, Martin Scorsese's disc. He's coming in for his boy Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> you, who's talking shit about Marty? <laughs> I got you, Marty. Hold if I hear back. one more hold bad me, thing about Marty. <laughs> nah, he's like 80, isn't he? Yeah. They're both like fucking 900 yeah. years old. Two old white men disc comic book movies. Hey. Um, they're Italian. <laughs> and 50 years ago, that didn't count as white. <laughs> Two recently white men. <laughs> Hell I yeah. I don't think so. I'm going to stop calling myself <laughs> Italian, stop calling myself recently white. That is good shit. That is good shit. First generation white man. Hell yeah. Yeah. You can call yourself awesome. like 70s brown. <laughs> yeah, well, 70s, 70s oriental. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it was, that's where what comes from. Western oriental. Really? Yeah. Western oriental G? gentleman. Oh. Gentlemen. So it's also a sexist term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 40 year old Oriental is uh, my online forum name. That's good shit. I reckon. What's this dumb news? I'm going to get a of you saying the word Oriental. It's going to have to go. <laughs> getting cut out of this. <laughs> just a, a censored O word. They're like, yeah. what the fuck is he saying? Origami? <laughs> Oriental's a flavor of noodles. It's not a slur. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I got a flavor of cheese that I could use to disagree with Uh, you. Sure, it can be used as a slow bit. I'm using it in the historical context. (laughs) And I'm Italian, which is the thing that makes the difference. So I have the hard hard job here of reading a quote that sounds to be objectively correct. Wonderful. And then attacking it for more of my life. You ready? Okay, yes. So uh, Francis von Coppola was in... I'll stop you there. You don't need to do the second part. I think I do. Go ahead. Uh, so he was at um, he, he was being honoured at some film festival presentation at some point uh, the other week for knowing lots about movies and having really good opinions. <laughs> yep, <laughs> funny that. Um, and he said he thinks for, uh, Scorsese is right in his stance on Marvel movies. Quote: When Martin Scorsese, should I do an accent? No, right? no. no. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> when like when Martin Scorsese says. <laughs> 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 well, Martin <laughs> Scorsese says that Marvel Just do Pictures. Just a Japanese one for fun. <laughs> <laughs> when Martin Scorsese says, "Fuck, that's that really Marvel good." Marvel Pictures are not cinema. Yeah, when Martin Scorsese <laughs> says that Marvel Pictures are oh, cinema, blimey, I think he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> that was uh, Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a happy medium. You ready? One more time, yeah. When Martin Scorsese says that the Marvel pictures are not cinema, he's right because we expect to learn something from cinema. We expect to gain something, some enlightenment, some knowledge, some inspiration. Says the legendary filmmaker Francis Ford Francis Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola, yes. I don't know that anyone gets anything out of seeing the same movie over and over again. The 80-year-old director of Godfather Three took it further <laughs> by making his own jab. Martin was kind. When he said it's not cinema, he didn't say it's despicable, which I just say it is. Damn. Francis von Coppola says it's despicable. <laughs> Martin, Martin Scorsese is like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are, what are, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I heard that Martin Scorsese said they're all made by worthless <laughs> yeah, yeah, sacks yeah, of yeah. shit. 
Scorsese didn't go far enough. Here's what I have to say. I heard oh. Scorsese <laughs> said that the Guardians of the Galaxy are all dog cunts. Scorsese. <laughs> Scorsese's about it. Just, just like, no, 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 no. And here's another thing I reckon Scorsese should have said. Yeah. Me and Marty were talking off camera. <laughs> he wouldn't. The, start, the shit that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, um, once again, I completely agree. Feel free to rip it to shreds. Next story. James Gunn responds to Francis Ford Coppola's response to Martin Scorsese's call out of Marvel movies. Can we just burn all news outlets <laughs> to the ground? Except like ABC. Let's keep ABC in this country. I reckon every other oh ABC and SBS, every other news agency worldwide we can get rid of. Yeah. What did the director of Guardians of the Galaxy three have to say about this? <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy two, actually. And so was that what two? And two to be Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yeah, right. Well, that's well. That's what I'm saying. He says not everyone will be able to appreciate them. Even some. Now you're doing. Um, sorry, you know, right? Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> doing FFC say. again. Not <laughs> everyone will be able to appreciate them. Even some geniuses. In a lengthy Instagram post, James Gunn pointed out that even old-school gangster films were sometimes considered unoriginal and one-note. Some of our great-grandfathers thought the same of westerns and believed the films of John Ford, Sam Peckinpah... Fuck, that that name is hard to pronounce anyway, let alone while I'm doing this bogus... while I'm doing this impression of James Gunn. (laughs) Sam Peckinpah... Some people thought that the old westerns of John Ford, Sam Peckinpah and Sergio Leone were all the same. He wrote, I remember a great uncle to whom I was raving about Star Wars. He responded by saying, I saw that when it was called 2001, and boy, was it boring. Superheroes are simply today's gangsters. Hey! Superheroes are simply today's gangsters, cowboys, and outer space adventures, Gunn continued. Saying that someone who said that Star Wars and 2001 are fucking space odyssey are the same thing is... Ludicrous. I think that's his point. Like, he's saying like you're just conflating all these superhero movies as being the same trash. Yeah, but the opinion he's quoting is different. a bad opinion. The opinion he's comparing it to is a good opinion. Well, that, no, the that, whole that's point. The, difference. the whole point. <laughs> the whole point is he's saying you just you're looking at all of these every single movie that involves a superhero and saying they're all trash. Yeah. And he's saying, well, you could look at all Western movies and say they're all trash, but that's that's false because we know that The Good, the Bad, The Ugly is a masterpiece. Mm. Or you could look at like all space movies and say, yeah, well, 2001's a masterpiece. Um, and so he's saying it's like falsely conflating them all. And it's like, it's unfair to sort of like make them all say they're the same genre of movie just because they star superheroes as the main characters when I suppose to some degree you could say some of them are more dramas some of them are more comedies some of them are more action comedies so they're yeah. all like they yeah, I don't know and again that's not what Marty was saying Marty was saying they're not cinema they're theme park rides yeah, so I mean, Coppola's James point Francis Ford Coppola says they're despicable Coppola's and they're all the same movie yes so he's truly just responding to Coppola's point I think but, all white men making commentary on Marvel movies is trash how's that I How's that for an opinion? Well, do you want to make sure that we never do another Marvel movie again? <laughs> I want to make sure that we don't keep doing this podcast when we're 80. Well, yeah. Got bad news for you, bro. <laughs> I signed us up to... Uh, do this for another... 65 years more of Podbean. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so upset. On your credit card, sorry. <laughs> be like $600 or something. That would be a lot more than $600. 65 years worth of Wonderful. So okay, so um, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly Coppola's 
gotten gotten his hackles up. I'm not sure that it's fair to 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 say that they're all the same or that they're despicable. I think we're just seeing a divergence of art forms here. Like cinema as a medium is sort of like splitting up into other things and you're getting like the comic book movies that are like incredibly high budget, super high VFX style films that are to be seen by everyone and thought about as little as possible. Yeah. And then you've got other cinema which is aiming to like really tell an emotional story. Those are the types of films that lend themselves to like the writer-director duo better and, and that type yeah. of shit. You know, yeah. So I think that's more what Martin was saying and then it seems like <laughs> FFC is jumping on it just being like, yeah, I agree, they're all shit. And Marty being like, that's that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, so next story here is yeah. that Disney Plus during the week used like a giant Twitter thread to tweet out like teasers for every single movie from Disney that's going to be on Disney Plus when it launches in November. Jesus. Um, and there's like, there's more than 300 titles that they've Great. used Twitter thread, which has led a lot of people to being like, that's not a real fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> and so, in so like, look at this. Just like a first random one I found is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Great. And, like, <laughs> is that Ichabod Crane? I don't know. But there's all sorts of insane titles where you can just skip to any random point in this movie. Um, in this in this list and be like, that's not real. Look at that. That's a movie about a lizard. What do you mean? Um, Rango. And so, in response to people, like, look, one of these is Condor Man. <laughs> that's Fuck not yeah. real. Sammy, the way out seal. <laughs> like, there are so many spectacular, spectacular is, titles here. This is a list of films that ended up exclusively on coach rides. <laughs> and so... Um, you know what I mean? Like, there would just yeah. be that stack of videotapes next to the DVD player, and you'd be like, did a fucking artificial intelligence <laughs> generate these titles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so, in response to people being like, Sammy the Way Out Seals, not a real movie. <laughs> the Toad's Window. <laughs> <laughs> Disney Plus, to their official Twitter account, posted a three-hour and 20-minute trailer featuring snippets from all of the movies. As <laughs> They didn't need to do this. So there is now a three-hour and 20-minute trailer for Disney Plus that lists every, like, all right, motherfucker. <laughs> this sounds like it's competitive, but that whole thing is a viral marketer's wet dream. Yeah. Like, of people being like, that's not real, and then being like, yes, they've taken the bait. <laughs> Cinderella 3. Upload twi- <laughs> the video. <laughs> Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. Lab Rats, Elite Force. Bug Juice, My Adventures at Camp. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that one got me. <laughs> Fucking bug juice my adventures at camp. Like, what is that? Fuck. The Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. Fuck. <laughs> that's okay. one where you're like, alright, that's not Next real. Next week, we're going to play a game where I'll come up with a fake movie <laughs> title and I'll pull one of these <laughs> and you have to guess which one's real. Alright, that's See, what that's, we're going to do with that's this. A, that's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, Maybe I'll try and, if I can get one to feed into like a fucking, like one of those machine learning algorithms and it'll just generate like other movie titles from this list. That would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I might almost go in on Disney Plus just so I can watch the <laughs> Apple Dumpling Gang rides again and the computer watch tennis shoes and tell you that they're classics. <laughs> so what are you going to do? That's a sequel to Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Bicentennial Man. Fuck. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Are those the same movie? What's the difference between those movies? I don't know where the Bicentennial Man is. Bicentennial Man's a run with Robin Williams where he's a robot, isn't he? Or an android or whatever. Here's the, ne- here's the next story. Well, you figure that out. Very good. The Alamo Draft House is like an uh, art house theater. They do cool shit. So like when the new Spider-Man movie came out, for example, they played as a pre-show like 10 minutes of old school 1940s Spider-Man cartoons. Sure. So they do, they do cool, weird little shit like that. Um, and they let you smoke weed in the movies. I think they kick you out if you speak during the movie. Yeah. Um, you don't need to speak it, to smoke I, I, weed. I didn't have to talk about who the Alamo draft is. The point is, there's a chain of theaters that were doing like uh, pre, uh, old school classic runs of Terminator 2, which I'm actually going to go see in a couple of weeks. And they were like, You're flying oh, to the US for it. That's, that's it. a $5,000 <laughs> movie. That's it. It's, it's, and they were, showing, they were showing old screenings of t- Terminator 2 leading up to this new Terminator movie coming out. But yeah, yes. when audience has gone into the cinema, instead of them playing T2 as a surprise, they just played the brand new Terminator Dark Fate. That is a terrible disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, as like a special treat, no. they played uh, Terminator Dark Fate instead. Oh, God. As someone who is about to go and see the... Terminator 2 for the first time knowing nothing about the series I would be legitimately upset if I went in and I was like no no, seriously play me T2 yeah like no I I came here for the good one (laughs) and so like there was some like there was some article I found before that looked like it was a sponsored post because it was like look at all these people that are like flocking over this movie and all the tweets were like oh my god it's the best one since Terminator 2 but that still says it's the best one since Terminator well, yeah, I saw yeah. some people on Twitter quoting that, and they were like, not a high bar. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you got- Although, okay, I will say, T3, I haven't watched since since I was like 13, but not bad. Right. Interesting. It, it introduced some cool concepts for the, the Terminators, and um, it's a shitty action movie in a good way. So if it's better than T3, you're doing all right. But if there's... Yeah, if it's not better than T2, I'd certainly be upset. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be. Did they also play T2? No. Was it like... No. See, what they needed to do was they needed to lead everyone into Cinema 3 (laughs) and then before the movie say, all right, folks, here's what we're going to do. As a special surprise, in this cinema, we're screening Dark Fate. In Cinema 2, we're screening T2... For people who don't want to watch Dark Fate, and then we just walk and the then, whole cinema. Yeah, and then everyone yeah. just gets up and goes into <laughs> the like, other room. Fuck! It's <laughs> like four people that stick around. Like I don't know. Yeah, which right. What I wanted. I'd be watch. worried that if they play it, I wouldn't know what I was watching, and I'd be halfway through the movie and be like, "Oh, this isn't." I think, yeah, your concerns about the storyline may be misplaced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would be, I would be legitimately upset yeah. if I, if that was the like. Well, I wouldn't have come out. I wouldn't have come out to see it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or paid. <laughs> yeah. Quick little stories about the Joker in that it's now uh, it's set to become the top grossing R-rated movie of all time. Uh, not adjusted for inflation. Right. Deadpool Well, is... that's cheating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's a marketing team being like, yeah. 
if you <laughs> if you move the goalposts, we scored. <laughs> made more than gone with a win. That stupid movie made one million dollars yeah, exactly. in 1927. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so, I mean, Deadpool got. Uh, the point is, it still made a shitload of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Just a funny way of thinking about it. Deadpool got uh, $738 million before that PG cut was released as well. Once a Upon a more. Deadpool. Yeah. Or whatever um, it is. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. And then, the, but the Joker, anyway, has still made like almost three quarters of a billion dollars at the box office. I kind of like that Jesus. you're getting good movies. Like Deadpool and Joker, though, are both great movies. So it's nice to know that two of the top-rated, R-rated, top-rated R-rated movies are ones that are actually actually quite good, I would say. Yeah, sure. The story from Screen Rant here that you're going to love. Screen Grant, uh, the Joker, the Joker movie's small budget was meant to stop it being made. Fuck yeah! Hell yeah! Oh yeah! Let's hear more about this one. Well, I only read the. Well, we're not going to hear any more about it. No, no, no. (laughs) But they're not going to say anything else about that. Like, it's not like the studio is putting out a statement being like, yeah, we tried to kill this incredibly <laughs> successful baby, but then it turned out to be a wonderful yeah, child that well, we love. It's made more than $700 million on a $55 million budget. The person who tried which is to... ridiculous. The person who tried to kill it should be fired. That's like a that's like a 14-time return on investment or something. The person who tried to kill it should be fired because they made a terrible decision. And it goes to show that they're wrong about what they think is a good movie. Uh, I'm glad that movie got made and I'm glad that it's very successful because again it's sort of showing it's like yeah movies that are kind of cool and sort of know what they're doing a little bit are more popular well it shows that you can make three quarters of a billion dollars with a good movie yeah right exactly which is you know fresh and new (laughs) exactly and that you only need 50 million dollars for it yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess that's another. That's a massive upside, right? Isn't it too? It's it's that you you don't need to spend three hundred thousand or three hundred million dollars to make the movie. Yeah, it just needs to actually be good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't fix it with visual effects, right? Yeah. Next story here. How's this boy? More people saw El Camino than the Joker last weekend. That's uh, coming from well, yeah, because you got to go to fucking. Yeah, cinema. It's interesting though. I mean, coming from the statistics that the Neil the Nielsen ratings reported six point five million people watching El Camino last weekend. It says here on this thing here, and the, the article then says, well, if you multiply that by the average cost of a ticket, and you look at what Joker made in its opening weekend, I'm rolling my eyes into the back of my skull. <laughs> Nielsen ratings are notoriously unreliable. But also, to me, on the surface level, that sounds like you're saying more people peed in their own house than peed in public bathrooms on the weekend. Like, yeah, but I think it's like seeing more people pee in their own shitty, dirty, <laughs> tiny little toilets than going out to out pee to in the glorious toilet that's presented in 4K. Then urinated in the ridges. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, so- sometimes when I was working um, at our old hospitality job, there was a really fancy, like, hotel restaurant just up, just next door. Yeah. And sometimes when I was on my break, Way I'd, go, I'd go and take a shit oh, in the yeah. restaurant because it was like shitting in a fucking palace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, ironically. The opposite of that. <laughs> It's like shitting in a castle. Yeah. And you'd be like, I am a fucking king. I'm a billionaire. I found it like 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 taking a dump in a club that had not yet had a single patron. It was, was like decked light. out in like yeah, it was almost it was barely lit. It was like wireframe shit everywhere. All the stores were like double wide. Yeah. So it you was could really awesome. spread out so you to could play angry fit birds. Two people and do coke. Yeah. <laughs> um but no one had gone in there because it was so clean. It was mm. awesome. Yeah, very good. good. Shit. Love those toilets. <laughs> uh, Shout speak- out to the Nishi building. 
or whatever, or, 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 or whatever building it was <laughs> where we used to work. Um, final story is that Jason Alexander suggests that he could play the Penguin in the new Batman movie, to which, of course, the answer is, yeah, that would be brilliant. And that's all the news I've got. Now, I'm only able to conjure up Jason Bateman. Jason Alexander is George from Seinfeld. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, George yeah. is getting upset. He's the next least tall Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why. Um, yeah. Leading into... That uh, would be good. That would be so good, That would it? be good. <laughs> he just needs to play Seinfeld. Play. Yeah, he's just made George Costanza. Yeah, yeah, George yeah. Costanza Sorry, fuck as yeah. the Penguin Not in the Seinfeld. movie would be fucking brilliant. That would be good. Um, going on from what I mentioned about El Camino, that ties into our beefness or pleasure for this week. Beefness or pleasure, of course, the uh, the segment where every week, Andrew and they, uh, we, 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 uh, we, we, we like to prepare some heavy, hard-hitting, journalistic mm. notes and reports and well-researched commentary on a movie of choice. This week, of course, it's, uh, it's a good time, starring Robert Pattinson. But, uh, but uh, we like to... Duck down to the bottle, grab a pizza, grab a slice and a six-pack of craft beer, sit in the park, barbecue some snags, and jam out to the new Tame Impala record. You know, we like to relax. What I'm saying, Andrew, is that sometimes we watch the movie, and sometimes we watch other movies. This segment is about other movies. And this week, <laughs> I watched El Camino. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to cut that off about a fifth of the way through it, and Oscar put his hand up and stopped me. <laughs> like, then, no, no. you will let this finish. I can, I can <laughs> I was like, okay, two. buddy, go off. <laughs> I was, I was, I'll duck out for two <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I watched El Camino this week, and... <laughs> so going into it, I think that a lot of people have. I think that's all the time we've got. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have a lot of different experiences of this movie and Breaking Bad in general, and so I think that where I was at when I went into it is that I did. I saw Breaking Bad when it finished. What's like probably what five, eight years ago or something now. And I think I it was about 20 years ago, <laughs> based on how old we both are. And I don't really remember... I didn't really remember much of the exact storyline. Like, if you showed me, like, a picture of a minor character, I wouldn't have known who it was. If you asked me to outline the story of the last few seasons, I'd vaguely remember it, but not really. I literally remember, like, the last shot, and I, I don't remember anything else about it. Yeah, right, exactly. Um... Like Bill Burr, I remember like Bill Burr was in it. I wouldn't know. So like, I love the show when it was out, but I feel like I have enough of a distant memory of it that I was going to go into this movie happy that um, if there were any inconsistencies or any like Aaron Paul looks a bit older now type shit, I wasn't really going to notice. Right. And I think that was probably a good way to go in because I really enjoyed it, man. I thought it really, it really captured the essence of the old school Breaking Bad episodes. Like it had a lot of the same old weird camera shots that Breaking Bad episodes used to have, where like um, Vince Gilligan is a very good director for that type and of. And he shit. wrote and directed this. Yeah. So it's got a lot of shots where, for example, they're loading like a carpet into the back of a Ute, and the shot is in the Ute at the very back of the tray facing the open bit as they load it into the carpet because loaded in towards you. Right. 
That's a crazy. But also, thing. he like I remember seeing one where he's literally laundering the money in yeah. Breaking Bad, and he, he is ha, ha, he puts it in a t- in a tumble dryer to and get it dry because he gets yeah. wet, and the camera's like in the tumble dryer spinning around as he's like loading money. Yeah, in. a lot of really cool. It's shit. weird shit like that where he'll just be like, "Why don't we just put it in the thing that he's interacting?" It with? was really cool. It's um, really neat. So he's very clever. Yeah, um, I listened to another podcast that we mentioned at the top of the show that we're getting dangerously close to ripping off, but where they were talking about the idea that like when they heard a Breaking Bad movie was coming out, they thought about um what the opportunities could be for such a, a movie. Like, if I was going to do a Breaking Bad movie, what would I most want to see? Right. And I'd never really thought about that, and I thought a lot of the points that the guys raised... Oh, fuck, I will mention it, on the Filthy Casual podcast. Mm. Like, for example, um, oh, if I was going to have a Breaking Bad movie, I would want to know what Jesse did 10 years later. You know, I would right. want to know, like, oh, let's assume Jesse's escaped. Let's assume Jesse's found a new place somewhere. What's he doing now? Let's let's have him have new problems and new shit to deal with ten years from now. Yeah. Because all of his enemies are kind of dead and dealt with, so it's all kind of wrapped up anyway. And I'd never really thought about that, and so I kind of enjoyed, the, e- even though this movie is sort of set, it's literally set in the the t- few days, like the week after the final episode of Breaking Bad, um, and there's heaps of flashbacks so that they can get old characters that died back into the movie. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And that didn't even really occur to me. And I think it was so long ago when I was so keen to dive back into the, uh, you know, Jesse and Skinny Pete and Badger and the whole, like, Walter White Breaking Bad universe that I really enjoyed it. And I didn't even think, like, oh, this is kind of obvious because it sort of captured, so captured the tone and the fun uh, adventure of the, of like, what felt like it's the brand new Breaking Bad episode. Um, one of my favorite shots in the whole thing, when we're talking about shots and things, was there's, there's a sequence where one of the characters is searching through like a like an apartment for like a hidden compartment where they think a whole bunch of money is hidden, and they're just tearing the place apart. And they're ripping up carpets and floorboards and like looking behind furniture and shit. And then the camera pans up to be like a top down dollhouse type look at. It's actually not a pan. <laughs> whatever it's a crane and a tilt <laughs> well it just cuts straight to that so fuck you oh um, that's a cut <laughs> um, well we remember that shot in um, Midsummer where it pans like over the over wall over the doorway it's like that that's it, it like zooms up and you see the whole apartment as a set from the top down that's very good and it's a time it's like a time lapse diorama shot with clone like 20 clones of this character frantically looking in like all sorts of different places <sighs> all over the apartment at the same time it was a, such a cool shot it was he one of those this, like oh, uh, I remember that he's Breaking got this Bad ability to do that yeah he's got this ability to make like seemingly menial I mean like the what he did really well in Breaking Bad was he captured like the reality of what it would be like to be in that situation, right? You're yeah. doing something extraordinary. Like Walter White is is this drug baron, right? But he's forced to live yeah. this double life. So there is there are these moments of the intersectionality between his uh, I said the word intersectionality on the podcast, it finally happened. Between his Fucking like bingo. <laughs> between his drug <laughs> his drug baron life and his Walter White school teacher life. Yeah. And it's shit like you have to dry your money at a laundromat, right? So you're in the laundromat with like normies. And and so like, it's kind of boring and it's funny how it's kind of boring because he, like he's been in these absurd situations where it's life and death and now he has to return to the mundane. And so like Vince Gilligan is, he, he's, 
he well, covers it, this this comedic effect of like now you're stuck back in the mundane. But I think then one what of the most, he still does is he makes those interesting. Yeah, well, with think, his creative use of camera work. I think one of the most famous ones is in the first season of Breaking Bad where they kill a guy and they have to dispose of the body, and so. Walt makes Jesse go to the hardware store and buy all the stuff he needs to yeah, dispose yeah, of the yeah. body. And so he he's just the going through. And the acid yeah. and all that shit and yeah. checks out and goes back home and pours it in the bathtub and like all that shit. Like, yeah. And it like goes like, it takes like five minutes to like dispose of it. But him. he spends like two minutes of him like pushing a trolley through a hardware store yeah, exactly. looking for shit and, and like a right. shop attendant being like, do you need any help? And he's like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, do you have acid? <laughs> <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of brilliant, really comedic stuff. There's a lot of, like, one thing that definitely deserves a call out is that Aaron Paul was fucking brilliant in this movie. Yeah. So I don't. He really transformed into it's Jesse. so good. Pinkman. But, like, if you go back and watch old episodes of Breaking Bad and the new shit, like, the character progression's really good. Mm. Um, and the way in which that. Aaron Paul because this this movie had several flashbacks and he almost like embodies the different stages of Jesse really yeah so he goes back to like season one Jesse which is a very different character to season five there's a bit of Jesse. that but then a lot of the movie cuts between so the the Spoil all of that for Breaking Bad. Skip ahead like a couple minutes, whatever. Yeah, we'll um, time a, a lot of the final episode of Breaking Bad, the final season of Breaking Bad, is um, Jesse locked up in a cage being forced to cook drugs for people and he's like completely broken. Yeah. Um, and so half of this movie sort of give is flashbacks to that, giving you more insight into what was happening when Jesse was locked up and being broken by these people. And right. so it's like Jesse like just completely out of it and completely given up and depressed out of his skull. And then it'll hard cut to like Jesse a couple days after escaping and like he's all into it and he's like trying to go back to the places that he remembers from when he was locked up and right, all so that sort of shit and so then like new life yeah and so then it, it cuts f- it flashes back and forth multiple times between like new like fresh Jesse and like broken Jesse and they look completely different and they act completely different and Aaron Paul's just really nailed it right it's so good um, there's a whole bunch of old returning characters that are nice Nice to see, and the nice surprises, and they, they they flesh a lot out of the universe, and they give you a general tone and a kind of feeling. It's probably not necessary this movie, I don't think. Like, I think that the way that Breaking Bad ended was really good, and I don't think that this was something that needed to be made at all, really. But I yeah. had a fun time watching it. I, I just wasn't wish w- that Vince Gilligan had done something different. Yeah, well, I, I was like, I suppose so, but at the same time, like, I was never watching this being like, fuck this. Fuck yeah, this. Yeah, which I guess, I feel like that's just the best you can hope for out of something like this. Because it was never going to give you the same experience that Breaking Bad had. Yeah. I feel like the end of the season five didn't really need any more closure than it actually had. Like, the fact that it sort of didn't give you, it gave you closure in some very clear ways, but yeah. not in some other ways, was really beautiful and it was kind of the point. Yeah. And so I feel like this is, this is... I, I, I'm not saying it's bad, but I feel like it undoes a little bit of that work by trying to give you closure when the actual point of the show was like, well, you don't really know what happens because your journey ends here, my friend. The point being, mm. the feedback that I have heard can be entirely summed up with, it's not bad, but 
did this really need to be made? Was anyone asking for this? And I think it's really popular because it's on Netflix, which is like, if this was out in movies, I think it would have flopped. Because, like, yeah. no one really needs to go and watch another yeah. Breaking Bad movie. I think right? that's the beauty of the streaming platforms that we have these days is it gives the opportunity for shit like this to be made. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed it. So I, I kind of hate that a very, very, very talented filmmaker is being used for something that only exists because it's facilitated by, like, convenience. I think the fact that... I, I just wish he'd done something else. I suppose so. I, th- I think that there's... there's a, I think there's a, a false conflation between, like, Netflix movies... Straight-to-Netflix movies and, like, the straight-to-DVD, straight-to-home-video-type movies that were a bit, like, shit back in the 90s and early 90s, yeah. where it was like, oh, it's just straight... You know, like, Simba... Like, Lion King 2 was, like... Any sh- of the titles you read out Straight to earlier. video. Exactly, yeah. right. All those Disney ones. Um, but I think the, the mere fact... That and so those were obviously released like that because they weren't they didn't going to have as much of an audience for the film at a lower budget so they, were, they weren't expecting much of a return on it if they put it in cinemas but the fact that we read out before that it seems like El Camino made just as much money as some popular cinema movies or not didn't make as much money sorry like had as many viewers as like an opening weekend of cinema yeah shows that I I don't think that. I don't think that it's any lesser of a film in some respects to be released straight to s- streaming services because you, you're right. Like you were like, it's obvious. You're like, well, yeah, obviously because so many more people are going to watch it in their homes. And I, I think that 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. I think that 20 years ago, no. that wouldn't have been the case that it's obvious that more people watch movies at home. No, well, you would have had to rent it from a fucking VHS store or something eight months after it came out in cinemas. And people have fancy TVs now and shit like that. So, yeah. like, I, I think that, like, people can get a good cinematic experience at home now, and I think that it means that, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying, because, like, on the one hand, you're right, like, it's it wouldn't have made as much money in the cinema, but I think it's, like, yeah, it's not what it's for. No, I just love Vince Gilligan, and I wish that... I, I, I love... It. Here's the two things I love. I love Vince Gilligan, and I love new ideas. Yeah. And I wish that those two things had happened together. I suppose But so. they didn't. Only one of them happened. And yeah. that's fine... But it wasn't both. So Yeah, I think I enjoyed it well enough. I think that like it's not bad. And if you're going in being like, oh, it's a fucking Breaking Bird spin-off and they're no. all going to look old and it's going to look shit. It's like, nah. It still looks exactly the same. It's inc- it, it, it's Well, it captures the same tone, which is the best praise that I think you can give it. Yeah, exactly. Other than that, it's not Breaking Bad. It doesn't feel like a fucking 10th anniversary reunion special or whatever. Like yeah. It feels like a lost episode of Breaking Bad kind of thing. Yeah. In a way that I think is really good. And if you're a fan... One thing I definitely have to say about it, though, is that if you haven't seen the show... Oh, it spoils this, the fuck out of it. It spoils it, but this movie also doesn't stand on its own at no. all. Yeah. I think that maybe it, this movie so... It, it informs you so little as to what's going on, that it almost wouldn't be a spoiler for the series, maybe. Because <laughs> there's no, like, oh, remember when that guy died? He's just not in it. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so then, like... That's cool. It, 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 you have to know... And so there'll be, like, references to shit that happened in the show where if you haven't seen the show, you just would straight up miss the significance of that. There'll be, like, you know, characters chilling out together that you haven't seen chilling out together for ages. And you and if you were a fan of the show, you'd be like, oh, it's so cool! Right. But if you haven't seen it, you'd be like, oh, what the fuck was that scene? Yeah, like it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, It doesn't stand alone at all. Okay. It would literally be like diving in on a random episode in season three. This is for Breaking being Bad like, fans. This makes no sense. Yeah, I think yeah. it's definitely for Breaking Bad fans, and you'd have to be familiar with the whole show, at least in passing. So that if you can see the characters, you'll sort of remember, like, oh, I sort of remember who you are. 
Okay. Otherwise, you're fucked. That was all I did this week. I watched El Camino. That was it. If you were super into Breaking Bad and you feel like reliving that experience a little bit, sounds like this is a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Barring going back and rewatching five seasons of television. So. I think it, I think it was worthwhile, and I think that not being overly familiar with Breaking Bad, I think is good. I think that. So don't rewatch the whole series before you watch this movie. No, no, I think you'll kind of ruin it. Um, jumping back to the news for a second because I remember I remembered a news segment that I read during the week that didn't come up during house. Um. Elton John is not a fan of the new Lion King. <laughs> yeah, no, Do you I saw hear that. about this? Yeah, he said they fucked the music. Yeah. Uh, I believe they messed the music up, and it was, quote, a huge disappointment. Yeah, I agree. And he said the magic and joy were lost. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't as good. Yep. Did yeah. you actually see it? No, I listened to the soundtrack. Oh, right. Yes, but I think that sums up the movie as well. Yeah, well, neither of us have seen it. So the magic and joy know. are lost. We wouldn't want to Scorsese ourselves. But oh, I'll Scorsese the fuck out of myself, man. I haven't seen Hopefully in more ways than one. I, <laughs> I want Marty to root me. I want to direct The Godfather. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a remake. I don't want to do that. <laughs> oh, I would definitely do that. Okay. All right. So. Ready to dive into. Time for the feature. Good time? Yeah. But then we'll talk about the 2017 right. movie, A Good Time. Yeah? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Good right. Time. What do you got, boy? Is a... Oh, I have nothing prepared. But <laughs> Good okay. Time. It's a 2017... I think you already introduced it at the start. But it's a 2017 sort of crime drama... Let's say crama film. Drama. Uh, by the Safdie brothers. Uh, as you said, starring Robert Pattinson. Um, made on a... Very small budget, released or distributed by A24. So I think that's the... Yeah, th- this is the company that's kind of famous for releasing um, good low-budget films. Like, uh, I think Moonlight came out through A24, uh, Ex Machina, uh, The Witch, which was a very popular horror movie. Um, so it's it's coming from a sort of a studio that just does, like, good little projects, right? Sure. And I think that sort of sums it up pretty well. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it Does was it in selection for the Gold Palm in the 2017 Cannes Film Festival, so it received very high praise on the short films. Uh, yep. Sorry, the the indie film circuit. Yeah, the Palm Door. <laughs> yeah, the Palm Door. <laughs> um, yes, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this was a movie that was kind of about people struggling. I thought it was interesting that because, like, the first thing the movie opens on is a scene of. One of the Safdie brothers, Benny, and the Jets. Yeah, must be Benny. Yeah, Benny Safdie, who plays the uh, brother of Robert Pattinson's character. And he's got some sort of disability? Yes. I'm not sure if we exactly find out what it is, it's but he's clearly differently able. It's like some sort of miscellaneous learning disability type thing. Right. Um, and potentially, potentially plus. Um but it's funny because I don't think that Benny's safety is actually <laughs> in any way that in no, real life. Which He's, is fucking wild. It's crazy. Like Because you see him and you're like, oh, and I genuinely had this thought. I'm like, oh, it's cool that they actually cast someone that has issues <laughs> like that if to cope with. Real, I don't think that's he whack. is, man. Um, maybe he's not. Let me let me. So okay, from what I could find, 
Benny Safdie is a uh, normally abled person, um, which is fucking wild that they cast him as a person <laughs> with uh, a, a, a different mental ability. Um, I, I, I just don't understand it. But he also looks like someone who could easily have some sort of uh, abnormality. So it's it's funny that he was like, oh, we'll just cast you. <laughs> just do that face. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, God, interesting choice. But what is the movie about? Yes, it's about Robert Pattinson and his brother. They rob a bank. It goes horribly wrong. Um, and I suppose it's actually about the uh, moral ambiguity that people who are struggling deal with. They're like, because Robert Pattinson uses other people a lot. Right. He forces himself into situations where he has to make worse and worse choices to misuse and lie to people more and more. Um, yeah. and sort of all the while is ratcheting up his situation yeah. to try and kind of do the right thing, but in such a mishandled way that it ends up going poorly continually. So it starts, you were saying, with Benny Safdie in therapy or some sort of like yeah, counseling. Yeah, being spoken to by a psychologist. Mental health worker or something yeah. where like the mental health worker is running for example all these idioms by him like oh so what do you hear what do you think about what is this what does the phrase don't you count your chickens mean to you and his character's like oh it just means don't count your chickens right so he clearly doesn't really understand great the greater nuance of that sort of thing that's going on like that and so when rob pattinson then sort of bursts man- in. manipulates him and bursts in and goes oh what are you doing to my brother doesn't need doctors when he clearly probably does like the yeah. point is like it sets the stage for like the first part of Robert Pattinson like utilizing and manipulating his brother for his own personal gain I think that's a bum rap because he's actually I, I think he mistrusts uh, the system that is designed to help his brother I think he doesn't think that any support system that the state is offering can do as good a job of protecting and helping his brother as he can. And so he removes him from that uh, and says, like, no. I'm the only one that you can trust. I'm the only one that you can love. I'm the only one that really cares about you. I think that he's too selfish. I think he doesn't give a fuck about his brother's mental health problems because he needs his brother to help him rob this bank. But he doesn't need his brother to help him rob the bank because he doesn't do anything. He does the entire thing without his brother's help. The only thing his brother does is stand there. Yeah. And, and it's because he's babysitting. Right? Like, he's taking care of his brother, and the easiest way that he can take care of him is by uh, ha- bringing him along, right? In the same way that, like, it's it's bring your daughter to work <laughs> day, right? Well, you need a second guy there. No, yeah, you fucking whatever. don't. He does, he's not capable of doing anything because he can't follow any instructions properly. So there's no way he's going to help, right? He's only going to get in the way, but I think Robert Pattinson's character... Or this is the way I read it, okay? Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I read it as... The only way that he can continue to take care of him is by never letting him out of his sight because if he lets him out of his sight, he might go and do something or get misled by someone else or whatever. Yeah. So he keeps him around because it's easier than not keeping him around. And that means that he has to rob the bank with Robert Pattinson's character. Yeah. But then, shock horror, something goes wrong. So they kind of like the the this is the, we're gonna sort of cover the opening act of the movie, but not go into any spoilers just yet. But yeah. the opening of the film is um, they rob the bank. The getaway driver is kind of like messing around, and then he finally gets there and he pulls up, and they get in and they start driving, and they're about to open the money, 
Or they're about to open the bag and it starts making this noise and they're like... And like a like a dye packet goes off. And so like clearly now everything is fucked because the car <laughs> crashes and they have to like get away and the cops are right on the tail. And so like that's sort of where the, the rest of the movie kicks and off It's the first from. example of like shit going wrong. Right. Because like, so like you, th- you think it's gone smoothly, yeah. which is great because they think it's gone smoothly. It's, it's like a dark, gritty Coen Brothers movie where like Rowan, Robert Pattinson makes a shitty decision. Like, I think his name's Connie in the movie. So yeah, Connie yeah, like yeah. makes a shitty decision that utilizes and uses all the people around him and that fucks up and goes wrong and he goes, fuck, and he gets cornered and he makes another bad decision and that fucks someone else over yeah. and he just keeps going down and down and down. So, like, over the course of the movie, he, like, um, asks a friend to borrow, like, a ridiculous amount of money. There's a kid that he, like, really sort of misuses and, yeah, like, and abuses like that, her that, trust. That, in that a friend that you're ways. alleading to is sort of, like, clearly emotionally... Uh, and romantically interested in him and he yeah. like never he, he he like withdraws affection the second that she doesn't help him um, and it's really manipulative it's very good the way yeah. that it portrays him because I think what you said about him earlier is fair for every other character that he interacts with yeah. ever Except his brother. I think that's the one other person that he cares about. I think he's stupid with his brother. I think that with his brother, he doesn't he doesn't really think about how his brother could be helpful or mis- or not helpful. And he's like, I need. I probably would need a second guy. I'll get my brother. And I couldn't give a fuck about what I have to do to get my brother out of that. And so when his brother ends up being like more of a liability, I think that that's... I think he didn't even think that far ahead. I no, think that I he reckon... just thought he needed an offsider because you can't do a bank robbery by yourself. But why would he, why would he like, bail him out from hospital? He's because fine. He, He's taken he, care of. Because he, he thought he can't do a bank robbery by himself. He needs two guys to stand there to look tough, and so... But they're not doing a bank robbery after that point. Like, he just wants to go... He Like, the reason they go back to the hospital is because he wants to rescue his brother. Oh, I see. Yeah, like, I don't there's know, multiple times when he's just doing shit to try and get his brother out but he's fixated on doing that and what he's not asking which gets kind of what you're saying is like is this actually the best thing for my brother yeah or am I he's definitely because he's selfish in that he thinks he can do a better job yeah he's definitely got blinders on in relation to like yeah he thinks he's the best he thinks he knows what's up and he clearly gets fucked I think that like the the plot's kind of complicated and I think in some ways it is in some ways it's kind of simple but like it's it's more fun to discover the more like the twists and turns of the plot yourself I I think so every other character in this film he treats like garbage yeah um in a very interesting and compelling and very manipulative way yeah. that's depicted really well on screen where there's a few moments where you're just like, oh, fuck, I didn't think you'd be capable of doing that. Um, the acting but is really... Yeah. yeah. The acting is really good. Like, Robert yeah, Pattinson great. does a great American accent. You sort of forget that he's <laughs> yeah. not this dirtbag from the Bronx. He's genuinely, like, I think my one person that can get away with, like, my one Brit that gets <laughs> to do an American accent. Yeah, well, because he's got, like, this, he, he, you know, he rocks around in, like, baggy pants and a hockey jersey and, like, fucked, dirty black hair and, like, oh, he's just so good. He's great. It's ridiculous how good he is in this movie. The se- did you did you notice much of the cinematography or the soundtrack or anything? Because I know the soundtrack was done by one of Point never. Who yeah, is sorry, quite a f- one more time. That is O N E O H T R I X space point space never. Yeah, one o tricks point never. never. The man whose name is an FM radio station. <laughs> yeah, um, um, who is like a famous electronic experimental music producer. I think his work on the soundtrack 
I've listened to his music. I think his work on the soundtrack is better than his solo career. <laughs> oh, really? I really liked the soundtrack of this movie. It was cool, and also, wasn't it? like, it's it makes it stand out so much. Um, it gives it such a personality because there's lots of shots in this film that are lit. the 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 grip in this film uh, did an incredible job, and whoever was responsible for like the lighting setups, um, the lighting guy, man. I think I think that's a grip, <laughs> but the um. Yeah, it, uh, it, the way that they use color and um, the sort of light and shadow is incredibly effective. And it was really offsetting. cool. Like often they'll be in a room, and like in in any other film, this room would have just been normally lit, but instead it's lit by like a lava lamp and a neon sign, which gives it like really strong mood lighting. There was one room specifically where the, they were in this bedroom and the lights were all broken and so they turned on Only static. Only the television. They turned on static on a TV as pa- almost like a diegetic type thing but with lighting. Like they turned on like the static on the TV yeah, so yeah, that the yeah. TV could light the room. Yeah. And so that whole room was lit by the, the flickery static on the TV. I think that's called practical lighting. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Yes, it's cool. Uh, so that was like the, the the thing that I noticed most about the, I suppose the, the art direction of the film. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. I thought it really worked. It works. So One O Tricks Point Never's score is very similar to like, it's sort of that, that 80s synthwave revival style stuff. It's a bit like, uh, Neon Demon, um, a lot of like Nicholas Winding Redfern's stuff Winding Redfern <laughs> I can't fucking remember his name I think it's Winding but yeah I think it's I think it's wind, nah, we're winding. doing that now I think Nicholas it's, Winding Redfern yeah that's I think him. that's it it's not Wingding it's not his it's not the font It's I think it's Winding Winding whatever winding it is Winding Refn yeah you're right totally different from whatever wing, I said wing, Nicholas Winding Redfern I said Winding you still said Redfern fine well Redfern what a ridiculous word Redfern. Yeah. Redfern. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> What's his actual name? Nicholas Winding Refn. Refn, right. Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, what about his what about his movies? Ah. Uh, I I can't pronounce his name right as what about his movies. Yep. I think he uses a similar score to this. Yeah, I suppose a lot so. Of the time. Yeah. I I definitely thought this was a bit grittier, a bit sort of Darker. It is. Uh, um, it's not the same score. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm adding. To, I'm not being antagonistic <laughs> now. I'm trying to help. It's the first add really. to the conversation. <laughs> so yeah, for uh, for you plebs out there, it's um, it's like the drive soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to. But it goes st- harder. Steer away from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was also trying to dance around it. It's like Perturbator. Um, who's a much better artist? Brilliant. Not the one I tricks, but then the dry soundtrack. I, I thought the light, I think the standout in this absolutely was, yeah, the, the acting, the lighting, the soundtrack. I don't think... That's three st- standouts. It is pretty good. I think, I don't know. I suppose the story was quite well done in that it's kind of about nothing. It was a micro story. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm coining that term. Like this dude, like it was, like this dude was kind of like aimlessly, frantically, chaotically, like, pinballing from situation to situation. Yeah. Like, he would literally be like, right, I have to go get my brother from hospital and on the hospital home, you meet some random dude and that's my guy now. And like, 
goes to this random yeah, he's house. And then, I've never seen a plot that flies quite so much by the seat of its pants. Yeah, and I suppose that was the, I, I, the, a note I have written down here that I don't quite remember in the context of the movie is chaotic dialogue. And I think the whole film was really kind of chaotic in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, the way that he speaks to the young girl, it seems very chaotic because like she'll just randomly ask a question and he'll respond perfectly normally and then as soon as the situation changes he will just talk to her completely differently yeah like he'll be like it's almost like the character himself is a good actor oh where, like well, were you yeah. referencing the flashback scene by uh buddy duress who plays the the guy that he picks up that's had the shit beaten out of him um that kind of is an inadvertent main character for the rest of the film. Yeah, that is, that is quite because the way that he speaks is the way that he he sorry. There's this character called Ray, who's like this uh, kind of like drug addict uh, criminal guy that ends up bound up in all of this. Yeah, and he retells a story. Um, that actually plays a much greater purpose, but the story that he tells is is very it's such it a rambly in the same way yeah. as I feel like Robert Pattinson's but narrative like, is. That story sounds like someone who's like drunk or high at a party yeah. telling you a story. And he says to this at the start, he's like, "I can't really fucking remember what happened because I was too messed up." And then he starts to tell you, and it's just like s- these details that are just like. Bouncing back and forth. He's like, and then I was here, and then I was doing this, and then we went to this arcade, and then but the cop the shut up, <laughs> so we ran, and then we were at a fucking fairground. And yeah. it just, well, you're like, what What are you it, saying? It's the sort of story where, like, five minutes into him telling the story as an audience member, the, or the story starts to get interesting, and you're like, oh, God, I wish I was listening. Right. Fuck, what? In the same no, way as, like, I, I, I you listen, listen to some dude ramble at a party, and you get three minutes in, and you're like, no, fuck, what? Yeah. But I feel like the way that he told his story, it really lent itself well to what what this. What I feel like I think one of the strongest things that this film is doing is it's taking the start. It's it's sort of doing the Breaking Bad thing, right? Maybe that's a good comparison where <laughs> it starts you off at the start of the journey, and it it shows you every single step that yeah. gets you to an end point of a journey where if you'd just shown the start and end, you'd be like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah, or right? like, how do you flesh that out? Right, and it shows you every choice that every character made and how in that moment, it was kind of a reasonable choice that sort of made sense. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the choice that you would have made, but you totally understand like, why they did that. Like, there's a whole extended sequence with a security guard. Yeah. It could have been like a two-minute scene, but they make it like a fucking 15-minute sequence. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, God, I guess if you've made, if you've put yourself in that situation, that kind of is the only option that you've got left. Like, yeah. you, you, with the other choices, just to, like, stop and uh, kind of, like, just, I don't know, turn yourself in. <laughs> like, he doesn't have any other fucking options, but he keeps putting himself further in situations that don't, where he doesn't have any other options. He keeps, so, like, being cornered almost, yeah. Right, and he's putting himself in situations where he can be easily cornered, but... It's not like you feel sympathy for him because you're like, just, God, stop. Why yeah. did, well, just stop. But he can't because he's too yeah. deep in it, right? Yeah. And it's the same in that in that story that we get in the middle with Ray. It's the same thing where he just keeps making poor choices, but he's sort of, it's it's done now. It's like it's out of his control. He's on the roller coaster now. Yeah. He, he can't stop it he just has to let it go yeah it's a fun to sort of watch him think quickly where he's like right I'm dealing with this and now we're gonna do that yeah yeah. <laughs> and if someone at one point says like what, you know they start to second guess him and he says something like don't be confused it's just gonna make it worse for me 
yeah. which is great because it, it sort of sums up in exactly how his entire character thinks. He acts in a way that makes people around him be like, like what? What are you fucking doing? And he just has to be like, it, you don't fucking matter to me. But if you don't do what I say, you're getting in my way. And yeah. that makes my life harder. And, and Robert Pattinson's character is really crazy and fun to watch in the way that he snaps immediately. And it's yeah. quite confronting. He's almost like an anti-hero in the way that he's like making these terrible decisions. That are some way are like quite like emotionally or physically abusive to the people around him where he's like oh, yeah, abusing the, the relationship that he has with people in a way where he's like manipulating them to help he's him. He's such, such a manipulator, yeah. It gets more intense later. It, I don't know, it's really fun. The more I think about it, the more I thought it was a, a really unique movie. I think it's a very clever movie, um, yeah. And the fact that like they're sort of, you, at the same time as you're like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah. You're like, well, he's just trying to... It, he's just he, trying to help his brother. His, his sort of... Yeah sort of girlfriend figure breaks down at one point in the background and you can kind of hear her screaming I was just trying to do a good thing for someone yeah. and I think that's kind of the thesis of the film yeah. it's like screaming over the phone I'm just trying to do a good thing for someone when you were but also you were stealing money off someone's credit card you yeah. know so it's <laughs> like I get why you were trying to do the good thing but you were doing the wrong thing right so uh, yeah, I found that really interesting. I thought under the under the surface, and I won't get too much on my bullshit, but under the surface, like these people are all victims. Yeah, they're victims of like a criminal system that has no interest in actually protecting them. Um, you could argue that Robert Pattinson's character himself is a victim of like you know society. Well, I, th- I assume he's in poverty. Like yeah. yeah, I think he is. Obviously, like he's been, he's been. The, everyone in the story is completely disenfranchised from any social support system. Yeah. Um, the cops are only an obstacle. <laughs> They're not a protective force. They're only an enemy that people who are trying to get by have to work around. Yeah. Um, which like obviously is not true in some ways, but in some ways can be very true. So, yeah, I thought it was really interesting the way that it depicted that because I felt like at almost every point in the film, I completely understand and empathize with the main character but just wish that they weren't in the situation yeah, that but they were in. Like, Come on, bro. Yeah, it's just like, dude. Okay, so we'll get into a bit of spoilers now. I'm not super sure that we need to spend ages discussing yeah, kind of what happens after the twists and turns, but I don't have there's one particular stuff. moment where I just would never have thought that that's what happens. Maybe it was obvious in hindsight. <laughs> but okay, spoilers for this movie. I think you should watch it. It's very good. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's on Netflix. It's very easy to watch. It's a fun crime drama with yeah. a bit of action and a it's, bit of intense shit. Yeah, it's not fun like Nice Guys is fun. It's not, it's not that kind it's of crime kind of comedy. Frantic and In fact, it's quite dark at points and it's almost never yeah. like funny. Sometimes there's a bit of like black humor, but it's enthralling and yeah. compelling and you really want to know how it's going to go from yeah, every fun. <laughs> so like I had yeah, I, g- I wouldn't say I had fun watching it, but <laughs> um I really liked it. And I think uh yeah, if you're it's only an hour and forty minutes, uh, plus like with with the credits. So like yeah, it's, it's not a long movie. Quick little, quick little movie. Pretty easy. Knock it over in a in, in a pretty short setting. About an hour and forty <laughs> minutes. Um, What's your spoiler? So, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. He gets, uh, <laughs> he gets back to, um, the room that he's managed to escape to with his brother. And hopefully you've seen the movie by this point. Yeah. But he, um. So he's stolen his brother from the hospital because his brother went to jail after they 
split up when they were running after the dive bomb. What kind of injured or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So his he he has to break his brother out of hospital and he's under a police guard and he breaks his brother out and because his brother went to jail and pissed someone off he got the shit beaten out of him so he's in like a full body cast, right? <laughs> and so he breaks him out. He has to like fucking kick the handle off a bed to break <laughs> where the handcuffs are attached to and it's really the whole time you're like fuck he's gonna get caught. Yeah. Finally kind of gets onto the transport, like patient transport, um, manages to get him, sort of lie to the driver and get him to drive somewhere and then he follows someone home and kind of gets himself like invited up, takes advantage of a family that's there. They just happen to be on the same bus home. Right. Over there. And so like, again, he's doing that like social engineering manipulation kind of stuff. But then he's doing shit at their house <laughs> and he goes back into the room where he thinks his brother is. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes the fucking cast off his face. <laughs> and it's just not his brother. <laughs> just some other random dude. Which is just... Because of the tone of this movie, <laughs> it's so serious and severe that the fact that he just stole a fucking random dude <laughs> from the hospital... Is so funny, yeah. and it's just—I think it's the only like truly funny moment I mean, in the whole film. He's like, "Who the fuck are you?" He, and he, and the like, guy, "Who the fuck are you?" The guy immediately tries to stab him. <laughs> like he's ripped the cast off this dude, and just straight away, like thirty seconds later, he's almost getting stabbed. Like having to fight this guy off. I always love how quickly, like, there's almost it not, escalates so fast, and there's almost not a moment of Robert Pattinson being like, "Who the fuck are you?" No, he, he immediately is like, "Right, you're not my brother." And so, like, when this guy's like, what's going on? He's like, fuck you, bro. Obviously, I didn't want to take <laughs> yeah. you. Just shut up and yeah, roll I with obviously it. accidentally stole you from the <laughs> But it is like that. He, yeah. he does not give any character time to get up to speed on what's going no, on. Be like, Look, yeah, exactly. Because then he'd be forced to explain it, and you sort of can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, the, yeah, he's yeah, he, he almost is like, fuck you, bro, when this character's like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the moment when... That's the moment where you truly realise that it's fucked. Because mm. not only... Is does he have to now deal with this guy, who becomes the sort of pseudo protagonist yeah. for the rest of the movie? You also realize <laughs> yeah, the not in he still has to go and get the brother. <laughs> so he's got to kind of do what he already did again, but different, but, but worse this time because yeah. someone already got broken out of hospital. I love it that the movie then takes a left turn when this guy's like, you know, I built, I, I left this treasure in, I, I left ten thousand right. dollars in a fun fair, and the guy's like, it's like Breaking really? Bad meets National Treasure. Yeah, he's like, well, fuck my brother. Let's go get this ten thousand yeah. dollars. Like, okay, well, let's get the money and then I'll get my brother and then yeah. my brother and I can have the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which I think also kind of does show his true colours where he's willing to take... He's so... He is, in a word, opportunistic. Yeah. Well, right? there's like... It's like, like a shaggy dog story else. though. Because then yeah. the dude's like, well, actually, this money that we got belongs to my LSD dealer so we have to go to that. And then yeah. oh, Belongs to Stavros from Cumtown. <laughs> That's a funny joke. I'll show you a photo of Stavros yeah, from Cumtown. Um <laughs> all in all, though, I thought this was worth our watching, and I thought it was a great recommendation. Thank you to a friend of the show, Anna, for recommending this one. I We had a great old time watching it. I can't think necessarily of a good better than, worse than for this film. I think that this is probably just as... Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, it does like look him. like yeah. Russell <laughs> <laughs> Um 
I think that in terms of better than West End, I don't think this was nearly as good as you would ever really hear, but it reminded me of a similar kind of tone of like one rogue maverick dude, a lot of cool filmmaking stuff that seemed like they had fun doing it. Um, I'm almost more impressed by this because I feel really? like this had less... I, I don't know if I enjoyed it more, but I think it had... It, it was more surprisingly good than you would never really hear. Because like you would never really hear it's got Phoenix on board with it. Uh, you it was directed like, by a good. very talented director. Yeah, right. It had a, an extremely talented cinematographer working on it. Whereas this was just like, oh, it's these two brothers. Yeah. Um, so and they pri- made something yeah. that's comparable to that. So I think, yeah, it's really clever. I, it, I think it is comparable. It to only that. made like five million at a box office. So I'm not sure if it's like maybe. I hope it's a good thing that it's on Netflix now. I hope they paid them shitloads for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it's very good. I I think it's if you maybe let's say this if you enjoyed you were never really here or you think you might have enjoyed it this is a great one to also go yeah, in on similarly dark kind of intense themes yeah. cool soundtrack yeah. cool cinematography and lighting that seems like they're having a bit of fun and they're doing something a bit different just for the sake of it how's this hot take yeah. if Mandy was based in the real world it would sort of be comparable and I feel a like a little bit yeah minus the black metal style stuff that <laughs> Mandy's got going on if, if you yeah. replace like a lot of the guitars with synths <laughs> In Mandy, the soundtrack is aiming to do a similar thing of like build tension and be discordant. Uh, the use of color and light yeah, is quite similar. I suppose, I suppose from an aesthetic from an aesthetic point of view and a sort of general filmmaking perspective, I suppose the films are quite similar. Yeah, yeah, it can be. It's sort of a revenge film at points. And the, the plot's quite complicated. Yeah, goes through all sorts of different shit. So yeah. there's another. There's a third reference point in your constellation of reference. I points. think that out of these three films, this is probably my. L- Least favorite, but it's still great. I'd almost agree, but they're all way in the positive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put this bout on par. I think you enjoyed. You would never really hear it, just a little bit more than I did. Even though I also really like that movie, I'd put that, those two on par. I yeah, think. right. Well, there you go. That's huge, huge praise. A pretty, pretty big praise. Yeah. I think that's about all the time we have left mm. on this week's episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I surprised think, at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, think I it's will worth say, going on. unlike my normal self, I was not in the fucking mood to watch a movie when I watched this. And I did not pay full attention to it, so I was kind of distracting myself at the same time. But I, I found it was so gripping and so compelling, I stopped doing the other stuff that I was doing and just yeah. started paying attention to the movie. Which, if you start off not doing that, almost never happens. Yeah, I sort of did a similar thing. I don't remember the start of the movie yeah. that well. <laughs> like, how, how much do you find yourself drifting onto a movie? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can obviously pick up your phone halfway through because you realize it's boring you. Yeah. But this was, like, the opposite. This is good enough to pull you in when you're not yeah. paying attention. And I think I, I watched it on a weeknight when I didn't really want to be doing anything. Yeah, and so same. Yeah, no, I, I think it was worth watching. And I think it... Yeah, it's almost... it's. I feel like sometimes we recommend these movies that are, like, art boy movies where it's like, fuck, I'm going to have to fucking sit down and watch you, but never really here. Fine. Yeah. I think this was a fun movie that I would put on par with the thrilling kind of experience that you have watching Mandy or watching, mm. I don't know, almost like watching Ocean's Eleven or something. Dude, I was going to bring that up and yeah. I felt like it was a bit of an inappropriate comparison. It, no, it's a but weird clearly, comparison, but yeah. Yeah, it, it has that, it, some parts of this have that same heist feeling to them. Yeah. So you're right. I think if you, yeah, like mood board, Ocean's Eleven, you were never really here and Mandy. I'm getting a bit of the place beyond the pines, maybe. Only I haven't cause seen that, it, but okay. Only because that has a really weird, no, that's probably a bad comparison. But oh, High Life also a good by movie. Claire Denis. Also Robert Pattinson with a lot of like yeah. color. The, the, the stuff they do with color and sound in that movie is really interesting as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a big constellation for you. Kind of have Drive up there as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but also, yeah. 
Drive right. feels like the most boilerplate of all of well, those movies. In, yeah. Well, in this case, our better than worse than was less of like a specific linear comparison, more of a big flat circle. But I, I, yeah. I hope that gave you... There's a, a night sky of comparison. <laughs> yeah, a good idea of the sort of movie this is. And I hope you go in and watch it because it's on Netflix. And, you know, I hope these boys get to make more cool movies. Yeah. Let us know. Post in the post in the beef posting yeah. Facebook group. Post in our discussion group. We'll post that in the little description on our podcast this week. If you want to email us. Let us know know what you've thought of the the joker and our our opinions on it yeah get in touch if you want to get in touch for any of those private little messages then our email address is beefstationpod at gmail.com all the links will be in the description of this podcast have a good week i'm oscar i am andrew see you later the pure always act from love the damned always act from love That's love The pure always act from love That's love The pure and the damned The pure and the damned Damn.